You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about Elder Scrolls Legends. Hi, and welcome to Legends Cast, episode number six, a podcast about Elder Scrolls Legends. I am your host, Mark, from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me today, I have a very, very special guest from uh, across the pond, as they say, um, a little Jamie. A little Jamie, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Yeah, I've been enjoying the podcast so far. That's awesome. happy to be on it. A little Jamie, you are a, a streamer, um, and so you're a Tesla streamer, someone who I've been following and uh, and that I've been, uh, you know, just listening into, and someone that I have been learning from, um, and uh, and that that's that's awesome. So, what have you been doing in Tesla recently? What's your last week been? Uh, you know, what have you been experiencing uh, in the game? Uh, well, well, my last week, I've kind of. I've kind of taken a dive back to my roots. I've come to, I've jumped back into mid mage off of everything else that I'd been playing up until that point with some of the stuff from the new set. Mostly Alfie Conjurer, let's be honest. That's kind of the big one. Um so yeah, that's kind of what my last week's been like. I also have made a very stupid deck, which is very high rolly, uh using the card Be at Peace from the new set, uh which sets a creature's power to one. And yeah, I've been that's using a prophecy that. as well, correct? Yes, it is yes. indeed a prophecy. And I've been using that in an unrelenting siege deck uh, to get stupid value off of things like Swims at Night and um, the uh, Monastic Champion, that sort of thing. Um, it's 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 pretty funny, I'll be honest. <laughs> now, the unrelenting siege, is that is that the new... Uh, no, that's the siege weapons. What's the unrelenting siege? Unrelenting card? siege was in Alliance War, which is... It's a support, a four-cost green support that allows creatures with one attack to attack more than once per turn. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's really... <laughs> that's cheesy. So you can kind yeah. of see where it goes. Yeah, that is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that is that's super cheesy well you could actually run that with the the new legendary from the new set as well and get even cheesier uh and that's uh the one in red in strength that's the one at the beginning of your turn all your creatures deal one damage to your opponent's face yeah you definitely could yeah you could you could do all sorts of all sorts of cheesy stuff with that yeah there's, there's a lot of cheesy stuff that you can do with yeah. that for the moment it's a lot of fun real question is have you have you won with that deck yet um i've, I've won a few games with it You've won um, a few games. Okay. It it's it either works incredibly well or it doesn't work in the slightest. It's one of those decks. <laughs> okay. Sure. Like if you get the combo off and it starts going, yeah, it, people can't stop you. But if yeah, but trying if, to if set it, it starts up... going, because uh, there's a lot of cards that pilfer which gain and gain you magicka. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot that gain that give you draw as well. So if it starts going, the only thing that really stops you is the turn timer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it okay. can be a bit silly. Yeah, well, that's 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 really cool. I mean, here's the thing: it's a it's a combo deck that literally no one will ever guess um, when they're yeah, playing against you, exactly. uh, unless they're stream sniping you. They won't even know <laughs> what to destroy to prevent you from doing it. They'll have right. uh, they'll see unrelenting siege come down and they'll think, what could 
possibly be happening with this day? Yeah. I don't know what this could possibly be. Um, really, really strange. Okay, so what color combination are you playing to run that? Uh, so I'm playing it in Monk at the moment, which, while the be at peace itself is yellow, uh, Unrelenting Siege is green, I figured I'd play it in 50, because it is a combo deck, and combo decks are generally more consistent in 50. Okay, so let me let me really ask you this then. Um, the Monk card that allows creatures with Pilfer to attack a second time. Yes, if Master combined, of Thieves. Master of Thieves, if combined with Unrelenting Siege, do you get to attack three times? Yes, three four, four times. times if you have two of one of them and one of the other, and so on and so forth, and it all stacks, and it's it's very silly. Oh my like gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that would be quite the that would be quite the run. I had never even seen that combo. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't think me and most every other person has not looked to unrelenting siege and thought, no. you know what? There's an opportunity here. Um, you maybe one of the only people who's looked Sharma at that card. did a video on an unrelenting siege deck uh, a little while ago, and I saw that. And then I saw the inspired was, you, and it, it very much inspired me. It inspired you. Well, I haven't seen anybody else experimenting with it. All that I see is Alfie Conjurer everywhere. Yes, Alfie yeah. Conjurer. Now you're saying you're going, you're going back to your roots of mid mage. I didn't. I didn't realize anybody had roots in mid mage. Oh. Um, was that ever a strong? Was Was there a time when mid mage was a really strong deck? There was way back when Supreme Atromancer costed uh, cost nine magicka. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you play a mid-mage deck with Supreme Atro as your kind of big finisher, getting the the two five threes and four damage to face for nine Magicka. Mm-hmm. So really, the the last time it was a strong deck was pre-nerf and then also pre-tri-keller decks because yes, Astromancer got nerfed before pre- we before yeah. we hit Morrowind. It's it's a long time ago that that happened. Yeah, and that's when Mage was still. I mean, Control Mage was the control deck yes. that you played against then. I mean, if you went up against that Mage, was when most people thought it was Control. Yes, most people think it was Control, but there was so many different ways to play Mage back then. Like, Token Mage was a thing, Mid Mage, uh, and Control Mage, obviously. And then Support, like, there was variations on Control Mage as well. Mm. Now, uh, the Supreme Atromancer was one of, when I got into the game, um, it was Relentless Raiders, Daggerfall Mage into Supreme Atromancer because it was pre-nerf Atromancer. So yes. this was kind of like my crafting path um, uh, heading towards Supreme Atromancer because I think that like there was like a mid-BM then to a mid-Battle Mage that yeah. ran Supreme Atromancers. Um, and I've tried to make Supreme Atromancer good again <laughs> since then because I have them. Um, yeah. And I want to use them, but I'm yet to find it. I, I tried them in Telvanni, no, I, um, just haven't had a lot of luck with them. It's it's not great at the moment. It's just there's a lot of blue control around. Well, less so now than there was before the expansion, admittedly. Uh, but yeah, a lot of blue control. And obviously it, it's putting three bodies down and dealing four damage to face. And then it just gets rid of everything for Ice Storm, which is not ideal. Um, now a lot of people running ice storm now if on supreme atromancer it read the same thing but it said if you consume a card you get to summon two storm elementals instead of two fire elementals um it probably would see more play it probably would and i think there'd also be an argument to make it cost 11 or 12 as opposed to the 10 it currently is (laughs) well there's probably an argument for uh alfie conjurer to cost seven or eight as well yes i i very much i'm in that camp um I don't know if it'll see the nerf, but uh, 
Yes. Uh, I think probably not for a couple more months at least. Probably not. It definitely won't be until after QuakeCon at this point. Sure. But I love for our streamers to kind of get to know the guests. And I actually had someone message me on Reddit and suggested that I be quiet a little more. Um, <laughs> and I try to explain, um, you know, the show started off as a solo show. I wasn't going to have any guests on necessarily, or maybe yeah. once in a while. And then I've had this stream of people who are willing to be on it. So, uh, you know, it isn't really an interview as much as it is just getting a chance to hang out with you yeah, and a conversation and chat with you. But I yeah. think most listeners do want to know, you know, what got you, what's your history with card games? What got you into Tesla specifically, and uh, and why sh- why streaming? What got you into streaming? Um, well, this is quite a long story, admittedly. Uh, it goes back a long way. Obviously, I played card games as a kid. I played like Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Pokemon. Um, I played. There was a Doctor Who card game that was okay. a, a physical collectible card game, uh, as opposed to a trading card game. So it's like they released magazines once a month with like sets of cards in them. Yeah, sure. Uh, and I, I had pretty much a full set of that. Like a few of my friends did as well. And we played that a lot. Um, I never really played any card games competitively. Uh, when I got off up to university uh, a few years ago, uh, I started. I picked up Pokemon uh, again uh, as, at a at a more competitive level. Uh, I also picked up Overwatch around that sort of time, and I started playing Overwatch a lot. Uh, I made team with the uni. Um, we did we did fairly well. We did all right. Uh, unfortunately, I started to feel burnout in Overwatch towards December. Well, no, I started feeling burnt out more like October, but I kept playing until about December. Okay. Uh, I kind of become somebody that I didn't necessarily like. I'd become quite toxic playing the game. Definitely mm. very burnt out from it. Um, so I quit that in December just completely. I'd been playing, so then, which kind of brings me into January, February time where I picked up Tezzel properly. Uh, however, I had been have been playing as well clearly as I was talking about mid mage back when Supremacro cost nine. Uh, I had been playing since open beta, I believe. Okay. Sort of the beginning, sort of time of open beta. I saw the announcement about it. I was like, this is awesome. I want to play this card game. Um, so I no. picked that up. Out of all the card games, why why Tessel? I mean, did you have an interest in the Elder Scrolls that drew you in? Did you just look at the mechanics and think the mechanics of that looked pretty cool? I mean, there, there's, there was Magic had an online system at the time. Admittedly, it was terrible until Arena. But, the, <laughs> you, I mean, Hearthstone was really – when Tessel came out, Hearthstone was dang near its peak. Eternal was coming out. Gwent was getting talked about. There was a, a plethora of card games that you could have chosen to dive into. Why Tessel when it was going into Most, beta? Mostly the Elder Scrolls, to be honest. Okay. I'm a big fan of the Elder Scrolls series. Uh, I say that having not actually played Morrowind, which some argue is the best game in the series, but I, you know. I, I love Elder Scrolls too, <laughs> and I, I picked up the first game at, at Skyrim, and you can go forward in these games, but it is harder to go back. It is <laughs> definitely hard to go back. Yeah, and I have never been able to go back, so you know, I you can call whoever you want, but I'm more of a poser of a lover of Elder Scrolls <laughs> than you are, because I didn't even play Oblivion, so. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, I'm in good company then. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. So yes, uh, I love the Elder Scrolls. Uh, so I saw the game. I was like, this looks awesome. I really liked the mechanics with like the rune system. Mm. Uh, I thought that was a really cool thing. Like the lanes as well. Specifically those two, which are very much the things that set it aside from Hearthstone at the time. 
uh, obviously with just the announcements and not really knowing much about it beyond the, being an online CCG. Uh, so yes, those, they were kind of, I'd, I'd been playing Hearthstone incredibly casually. Um, mm. I don't think I ever got above about rank 18 in Hearthstone, okay, <laughs> just because sure. I didn't put the time into grind. Um, uh-huh. So then Tezzle came out, I joined the open beta. I really enjoyed the game, I just didn't put the time into it at the time. Uh, so I played it very casually. So, and then, which for the next, what, year and a bit, because I think I joined in about October 2017 in okay. open beta. I think that was open beta. That might have been mm-hmm. full release, actually. I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure. Not well, sure so, there was some point in 2017, you were casually yes. playing, and it wasn't until your time coming to a close with Overwatch that you yes. really dove in. Exactly. Uh, so I dove in from February this this year. Uh, I started jumping into the Twitch community at that point-ish. More just farming drops, to be honest with you. Um, I wasn't very active in the community for a while. Sure. Yeah. Well, neither was I. So. No. It's always intimidating when you join a new community as well. It's like, I don't... I want to join this community, but I don't want to necessarily be, hey, look at me, I'm new. You yeah, know? Uh-huh. sure. Look at me. Read my name on stream. Please read yeah. my name on stream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I started off. Uh, I remembered a few names. Obviously, CVH had quit the streaming streaming by that point. Um, mm-hmm. I remembered a few names like Matt Oblivion was still around. I remembered watching him way back when. Uh, yes. He does stream still on occasion. Doesn't? Uh, yeah, he's just salty. Oh, he's a bit just more salty. than on occasion. Yeah, I mean, well, Although he's I, kind I, of toned down the Tesla recently. That's what I mean. I, he's, I've seen him on team fight tactics more. Yeah, recently. he's been playing a lot of TNT yeah. recently. Uh, I then found a Bell Wild, who is... I'm just going to plug names here. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if there's new people watching, like, the Twitch community is probably one of the best places to learn the game. Oh, it definitely opinion. is. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, I am just going to plug names. I found a Bell. I found Ian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found everyone, really, but they were, like, the ones that kind of fit in the sort of times that I'd be watching. Sure. Uh, so, yes. And then I became quite pretty active in the Twitch community uh, from the Twitch chat side of things. Mm-hmm. And then I felt, you know what? I play this game a lot. I I I like the community. It's a lot of fun. So I decided to dive into streaming. Uh, this was probably about two months or so ago. I had streamed a little bit before for my uni. Um, just because we have a Twitch channel, we have a partnership with Twitch. Uh, okay. There's a Twitch student program that they run, which we were on. Okay. So I streamed a little bit on there. Um, and then, yeah, I jumped into streaming for myself a couple of months ago. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome. So you had your name out there to a certain extent through the Overwatch community. Um, um, not particularly. Okay. Have you have you had people who've come over who watched you or followed you on Overwatch and now no, you know um, have joined you in the Tesla community? I was never community? that big in Overwatch. I was more well, like student. We played student level, not actual level there was talks of entering open division which is like the anyone can enter but you can make it to contenders if you do well okay uh, well there was talk of entering it we never did though yeah well you know i i'm 
was a Blizzard fan for a really long time, and Overwatch was one of those games that I I avoided because I knew uh, how toxic I could I could become <laughs> in a yeah. game like that, and how bad it would just be for me personally. You know, if, when I was in college, World of Warcraft was you know one of the the things that I devoted a, too much time to. Yeah. Um. And as you as you grow older. Uh, you know, I actually have, it's, it's funny, but in order, you know, I want to be remain married. Um, and so I, I, I have, I have a list of, to go. Yeah. I have a blacklist of games that are the, if I want to stay married, I won't play this game. <laughs> and Blizzard has, has, has several games yeah. on that list. Um, and Hearthstone never actually became one of them, but my wife wasn't too terribly upset about seeing me walk away from that game you know guild yeah. wars to uh league of legends um league of legends not because of how much i played it but because of the language i used while playing yeah. it um and uh it's and you know one of those games that can get you that way isn't well it? as toxic as you can possibly get uh yes. yeah as toxic as you can get and hearthstone really is a, was a really toxic experience for me as well you know you just there's a lot of uh the the the, the tesla community is significantly more polite Yes, um, <laughs> because if you queue up in Hearthstone, you might queue up for another nine months and never run into the same player. Um, if you queue up in Tessel and you queue up two more times, you're probably going to queue into the same player or yeah, there's there a, a chance. chance of that. <laughs> uh, and so and so uh, especially if you're playing the same type of deck and you're in, in similar timing, um, you you oftentimes queue up against similar similar players. I will say this. I've queued up against a lot of the different streamers and people who are on the show, but I'm yet to queue up against you. Uh, yeah. a little so i will say i can't remember seeing your name in, in game yeah so you know one one day though one day i'm i'm sure we'll play together well that's <laughs> an awesome story you know thanks for thanks for sharing that and make sure you know we'll do plugs and stuff at the end but make sure you check out okay. a little jamie's stream because like i said he's uh, one of the guys that i go to right now um to learn from um and also, like, like work safe. Like, it's just safe for work. I can throw my headphones I, I in. I try to be. <laughs> you're, you, I, like, 99% of the time. Yeah. There are definitely streamers who aren't, and you're not one of them, you know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and also, if you're looking for, like, a calm, soothing experience, if you have anxiety, uh, little Jamie's you got to listen to, too. So you can listen to him. He's got a nice, calm, soothing voice, as you already know from listening I, to the beginning yeah. of this podcast. And yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure that you've been. I'm sure that you've been told. <laughs> so uh, I, I, this really wasn't in the plans, but we've sort of begun talking about it already. We talked a little about what we've experienced on, or what you've been experiencing on the ladder, at least what you've been playing. Um, give me a little bit about what you're thinking about Alfie Conjurer, because this seems to be a very divisive card right now in the community. I didn't think it was going to get as. I'm not going to say it's heated. Um, I didn't think it. I didn't think it was going to get as uh, as controversial as it has been. Yeah. But it seems like people have really, really strong feelings about this card right now. Yes, definitely. I think. I mean, I don't think I know. It is. It's pretty safe to just state it's an incredibly strong card. Yes, um, it's very powerful. I would. I would argue that it overtakes Uncarno as the most important card in blue at the moment. Hmm. Uh, so obviously that used to be Daggerfall Mage, then Ancano came out and it's now Ancano, and then it was then Ancano. I'd argue that Alfie Kundra now takes that slot, where it's it's a blue card that can go in almost any blue deck, regardless of what archetype you're running. Yeah, you can really throw it into to just about just about anything. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm looking through Blue Blue right now, pushing. and you're right. It's like, I mean, maybe not any deck. Leoneth is probably one of the other blue cards that's like similar yes. in power level, but it's for very specific decks. Yeah, she's for very specific decks, which where keeps her in you, check. Yeah, Alfeek, if you want to play aggression, put her at your top end. If you want to play mid range, it is built for you. Yeah. And if even if you want to play control, even if you want to play control, yeah, it's it's a three four guard that's it's a five three body on the board that's going to trade incredibly well with what your opponent's throwing down. Yeah, it's just it's very very strong. It's a very strong card. Yes. Um, right now, so you know to put you on the spot, do you think do you think it should? see a nerf a mana cost increase a stat reduction um should it summon a frost atronaut instead of a storm atronaut on on consume i don't think we should go down the route of changing i don't think it would hurt the card or mid-range as an archetype for that matter if you changed it to seven or maybe even eight Mm. Uh, the issue with putting it to seven is that's where Mighty Conjuring is, that's where Wilds Incarnate is, that's where Belligerent Giant is. That's a very, very heated position. That's to be a crowded up. spot. That's uh, there's crazy. also the issue of if there's nothing in your discard, it's a six cost three four with guard. Yes, which is terrible. So, yeah, which, which is I've done by accident before. <laughs> so far. Yeah, it does not feel <laughs> yeah, good. It feels yeah, real bad. It really doesn't. Because you don't even think. You're like, it's turn six. I have an Alfie Conjurer. I'm going to throw it down and get myself an Atra. Oh. Yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Now I just put a 3-4 with guard on the board and probably lost the game. Yeah. yeah. It's as good as skipping my turn. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Well, you know, I have thought thought a lot about this card just because, you know, once again, it was the, one of the first things that I crafted because as soon as Moons yes. was out, I was like, oh, Same. okay, well. This is an easy card to craft, so I'll yes. just craft three copies of this thing. And uh, after I crafted it and started playing with it, you know, it's when you when you summon the five three, it's strong, but it doesn't feel busted, right? It it's yeah. strong, but it doesn't feel busted. It's when you summon the seven five with ward that it's like, ah, oh, well, like, yeah. It, it's the, when you summon the seven five with ward and you have a lustre on the field. Yeah, yeah, which I, is an incredibly high amount of stats for eight Magicka. Yeah, it's it's just a very uh, th- I mean that that's really and you're right right the fact that it's right before Mighty Conjuring too, yes. um, just means that because sometimes you don't even want to clear the Fire Elemental. You like I just want to. Yeah, I've I've I had just, games where it's in a mid range matchup. It's do I kill the five three to deny Conjuring? Or do I leave it up to deny a second Alfie Kundra? <laughs> which which one do I want to play around? <laughs> yeah, and both of those scenarios are terrible for you. Yes. <laughs> and I think some of the cards that are around this card it makes it more powerful, right? That it's, yes, it's where it hits in the curve and the, the fact is, that Mighty Kundra is right around the it. Curve between either Temple Kundra or Breton Kundra with a Rapid Shot or a Firebolt. And mighty conjuring, it fits perfectly in a mid-range curve there. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's just very very strong card, and not to mention that if you're lucky, you can run four of them because you can have Abner in your yes. Deck. And or it's, you can you can your opponent can drop one, and then you can Abner, and you've now got more stats on board than they do. Sure, you don't have the guard, but 
you've got a five five and potentially a seven five so yeah with war you're not complaining <laughs> um, do you think that they do you think that there's a mistake made here just in the way that they did keywords you know it's it's really only the case with Abner, I guess you could do Ultfrix Uprising to trigger all your consumes. Again, I haven't really seen people toying around with that. But is there? Do you think that this mechanic is better instead of reading summon consume to just read consume? That way you couldn't trigger it summon with other cards. Um, that that's definitely a possible option, a possible route to take. I think that would I would definitely keep it in check with regard to like Abner. But like you say, nobody's really playing around with um uprising yeah so i mean until we see people doing it it's hard to judge that and also i feel in my matchup certainly the majority of the time where you're abnoring you're copying your opponents because you haven't found your own one yet mm. or they've cleared away your your one yeah that that yeah you're right that's often that's often true i have had a few scenarios where i dropped the alfiq and they couldn't do anything about it, or yeah. they're like, you know what, I, the fire elemental's more threatening, so they lightning bolt the fire elemental and leave the 3-4 on the board, and yeah. then it's like, oh, okay, well now I'm going to Abner the Alfiq that you left and pull 7-5 out because you got rid of my fire elemental for me. Um, and that is certainly, I think that I think that Alfiq has buffed a handful of cards, and it has raised, yeah. has, has sort of raised the level, because you didn't really see a ton of Mighty Conjuring prior to Alfiq. Some, it it was a staple in blue mid range, but blue mid range wasn't necessarily in the best place, admittedly. Yeah, sure. So I mean, it probably was really good in there, but you didn't see a ton of that deck yeah. being played, and so it raises, but it definitely raises the power level, I think, of Mighty Conjuring because Mighty Conjuring's easier to pull off. Yes. Now with Alfiq in your deck, I think it raises the power level of uh, Abner a little bit because. Now you have an, another very, very valuable target that you can yes. hit right around it. You're not waiting till eight to get your Arcana on the board and then trying to copy his ability. No. Now, if you coin out Alfiq, you can copy their ability on turn six. And uh, I think that there's a couple of cards around this card that it definitely improved. I think even of, what is it? Is it Temple Conjurer, the 2-2 two -two with Exalt to summon a 5-3? Yes, uh, and, that's, uh, that's a card that didn't see any play, but now does because it's fantastic with um Alfie Kundra. personally yeah. i i've started leaning more towards the plain reflective automaton on two uh mm. instead of the temple Kundra on five just because it kind of i found that the curve does get skewed quite late and i've kind of wanted to start moving towards having an earlier curve mm -hmm. so i've started putting in the reflective automaton instead personally yeah, I think I think a lot of people when they think of that reflective automaton, they actually don't like they think of it in terms of this is a dragon. Yeah. And that's all that they think of. <laughs> this is a dragon and this is a factotum. Nothing yeah. else really matters. Yeah, and I think that for so long that's what it has been played as. People don't think of it in terms of, well, it's an undead. Uh it's also yeah. an astronaut. And I don't think many people think about it in, in terms of that. But I have run into a couple of people who've run it in mid range BM yeah. and they throw down the Alfiq, and I'm like, oh, phew, I'm safe. They don't have an astronaut <laughs> in. They and then they consume that thing, and I'm like, wait, what just happened yeah. to me? How did that? How did that happen? Um, yeah. So it's definitely. Uh, it, I think that reflective automaton is a really good card to be running in mid range uh, BM yes. right now. Uh, I would argue so. Yeah. I don't really think you need the Temple Conjurer on five. I think you have enough options on five in mid range BM at the moment. Yeah. With Blood Dragon and 
most of the time you're not wanting to play Breton Conjurer on four. You want to play it on five with a rapid shot or a five up. Mm-hmm. So tell me, um, you know, what are you, when it comes to meta, what are you seeing are the top decks? Now we have next week QuakeCon. Yes, We're we do. seeing some of the best decks that are brought to, hopefully with some of the best decks that are brought to that tournament. Um, and so we don't, I'm not thinking that we have a super defined meta right now, but what are you seeing or do you think is going to be rising to the top? Um, I think we'll probably see some mid-range BM. I'll be surprised if we don't. Well, I'm certain that we'll see some. I'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be very shocked if nobody brings mid-range BM. Uh, I imagine it'll be one of the most represented decks. I think, as much as it pains me to say it, I think Control Tribunal is in an incredibly strong place at the moment, but nobody's mm-hmm. really playing it on ladder, I've found. But I think yeah, it is very strong, even post-cast nerf. Well, adjustment. I don't like to think of it as a nerf. I don't think it is a nerf. It's a nerf in control matchups, but... It's still a really strong yeah, card. it's still an incredibly strong card. It's really good. Yeah, that It's just still hard removal that doesn't was. activate a, a last gasp. <laughs> or a consume. Or a consume. Uh, yeah, which buffed it even a little bit more. Um, you know, it's sad to say that when they put like a big nerf on a card and you're like, no, nah, this is still just good enough. Yeah. This is still really good. Don't need to. No, I think yeah. on to- uh, going away from that, I think Agro Halalo is still very strong. Again, mm. it's not something people have been playing. Uh, I think it is still just a very strong aggro deck. Um, mm. I've been seeing a lot of tokens recently, either in spellsword or crusader i think both of those are very strong decks whether we see them at quakecon i doubt i don't think it's a very good tournament deck i think it's a good ladder deck though hmm. uh, you don't think even with the the new consume guy that buffs your entire board that it won't see play at the tournament i think he'll see play in some aggro decks but i don't think that we'll see token decks based around getting as much value out of him as possible Hmm. Okay. So, you know, a, a Crusader deck that runs some of the token like, things. Yeah. So, like, you, you see Marked Man in, in Crusader anyway. You see... Um, Fifth Legion Trainer. Fifth Legion Trainer, obviously. You see a little bit of Mud Crab every now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you're starting to see things like Rebel Warden appear in these decks now, which, without... Um, Mercenary Captain, I don't think we'd be seeing. Got to try and refrain from calling him Bruce Willis and calling him by his actual card name. <laughs> okay, what is what is Rebel what is Rebel Warden? Go over that with us. Uh, that we know Rebel about. Warden is a one-drop one-one that mm-hmm. uh, has Pilfer summon a one-one recruit. Sure, and it's a Khajiit as well. It is a Khajiit. It is a Khajiit. Yeah, uh, I I've seen that card. I've seen that card come up more than I thought it would. Yes, so have I. I thought it was bad. I still think it's bad. Um, I think it's good in those token decks that I've been talking about. Um, outside of those, I don't think it's good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in love with it. Do you think that you're going to see any any surprises? You you thinking we're going to? I mean, do you see anything from the new mechanics consume or the wax wane mechanic? You think are going to rise to the surface towards tier one, or do they just not have enough support yet? I don't think there's enough support. I think. I feel like you're definitely too restricted in the way you build them, particularly Wax Wayne. You need to be in green because mm-hmm. if you're not running Rebellion General in a Wax Wayne deck, it's not good. You're not getting as much value out of it as you should be. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Waxwain also has the problem of you're either playing stuff where you don't care which effect you get, in which case you don't necessarily need to be a Waxwain deck, sure. or you need to be getting both both of them, in which case you need a Moongate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't like. I never even dabbled in Waxwain yet. So that's you know one of the one of the strategies I'm a little curious about because it's not okay. one that I've experimented with. I, uh, I actually crafted three Rebellion Generals to mess around with it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I you know for me personally, like I don't necessarily mind my my opponent messing with my game plan, um, but I don't like it when my own cards mess with my game plan. Um, no. And I you're so restrained. It's just like you're choosing a strategy that's saying yeah. that if I don't have a moon gate, oftentimes 50% of the time I'm disappointed with what turn I'm on. Yes. <laughs> and that sucks. That's got to be – I just feel like, man, that's got to – I mean I literally have not played – I don't think a single Wax Wayne card outside of when I got the card back. Um, and you had to play all the Wax Wayne cards yeah. for the card back. So, yeah. Think- I think it has an incredibly high skill ceiling. I just don't think it's been cracked as this is how you run Waxwain just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, the seen... skill ceiling of planning out which turn you're going to be on to play certain cards is definitely very high. Yeah, I've seen people who played, I don't want to say it's token. It's, it's almost like a combination of like a tokeny, controlly. Um, they play the Alfique um, from yellow, the the 2-1 that summons a 2-1 on the other lane or yes. becomes a 3-3 with guard. And they would drop one of those and then on the same turn drop two Rebellion Generals with a Moon Gate. That's, yes, that's a very and, strong power spike. Yeah, and suddenly you have a whole board of 4-4s four and 5-4s and like the whole board is full in one turn if they can get to that point. And it's not an easy board to remove either. It's not, right. Yeah, so I've seen times when it was like, wow, this could really work, and I could see how, like, wow, if you had just the right setup and the right combination. Just don't think that we've seen anybody really come upon the the one that makes it work. But on the other hand, it's it's not the easiest board to build either. Yeah. Unlike say a conscription, which if you're building an empire has probably more stats than you got off of Rebellion General and. Alfie Collusionist. And all you had to do is build your deck how you wanted to and put the, yeah. you know, the card at the end. And it's, it's happening about the same sort of turn as well. And it only yeah. costs you one card from hand instead of three. Yeah, so you might feel better pulling off the giant wax wait and turn, but the chances of you winning with it are... Yes, definitely <laughs> a, slimmer. <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot slimmer, for sure. Uh, you know, this past week I played... Um, but this is the first month I've ever, you know, I started playing the game, and on month two, I hit Legend with, uh, I don't know, uh, I think a BM deck. I think I played like a Prophecy Battle Mage deck and hit hit Legend with it. But once I've hit Legend, I've always been the type of player that's like, okay, I'm going to play memes. I'm just going to complete quests. I'm not really interested in continuing to, to push. But this is the first month I've ever actually made a push to see how I could do in Legend. Um, and I made my own homebrew guild sworn deck that was sort of a combination of some of the mid-range bm but with some of the dragon late game so i could control the board a little bit had a lot of fun with it took that to legend um and then i got the chance to push to um i think i was about rank 120 in legend um before i got on one morning and lost back to like 300 uh so yeah that's which happens. <laughs> yeah which i think happens so i gotta find a deck that i can get on and 
and come back. It was like during a time when there was a decent amount of control in the ladder at that particular week. And then I logged on one morning and there was a ton of aggro and I just couldn't, I didn't have enough draw to get to the cards that I needed to deal with it. Um, but uh, really enjoyed that Guildsworn deck. And let me tell you, yeah. the new dragon. Dragons have been a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a lot of people. There was a lot of people who were messing around with dragons, trying to get them to work well. Um, there's definitely some cool stuff that you can do. There is. In dragons. If you can get to that power spike, and I, I'm never going to be able to pronounce his name, but the the 12 mana 8-9 that summons Halls of Colossus, let oh, you summon another dragon from your deck. Yes. Yeah, Cognitive. If Call you can get sure. to him... <laughs> Um, he's, he's really a strong, he can really flip the board in a really powerful He he allows you to run your deck as a toolbox rather than a, um, actually free of everything to make sure that you've got the consistency. Yeah. I run the one glacial dragon, the, the four or five that deals two damage and all, all dragons free stuff. Just, I run one him just because with him in there, I just want to have that option. Yeah. I want to have the option of freeing up your Odaving or freezing up your Odaving, uh, you know, at the turn yeah. after you played him and then, you know, go back and get Tiny Dragon and keep your board locked down if I want to. Um, yeah. Uh, I've been really impressed with him. I thought it was going to be one of those cards, you know, usually the first big legendary they reveal from a set yeah. is cool, but you're never going to play. Yeah. Uh, and I've I, been impressed I, with him. I don't think I've actually played him yet. I pulled him on release day. Okay. I don't think I've actually played him yet. I don't think I've put him in a deck. <laughs> he is a really good... I found him to be a, a surprisingly good endgame threat that's very difficult to deal with. Yes. Because, you know, if you're just trying to put pressure on the board on another control deck, and he's really great in control versus control matchups, because now they have an 8-9 with Taunt, a 5-7 Blood Dragon that ignores your guards, yeah. and a Halls of Colossus support that they want to get rid of all in the same turn. And most control decks can get rid of maybe two of those three, but they're not going to get rid yeah. of all three. Um, like really, best case scenario, you're probably looking at like Jabby Dict or something to get rid of two of them, or um, just a red year by itself just to get rid of the two bodies on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, uh, you're going to be struggling to get rid of all three in the same time. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's meta. I mean, I think that it's cool. We're, we'll know a lot more about meta in the next week or so. Yes, definitely. Especially uh, after QuakeCon. Yeah, I feel like after QuakeCon, we're going to know a little bit more about the meta. But uh, let's move on um, to uh, an email that I had gotten. I gotten a couple of emails, um, and one of them was just like, hey, what as a new player, how should I be spending not just my gold, um, but how should I be spending my my actual money? Because I don't know how to how – to, what to buy if i want to spend a couple of bucks on this game you know what's the best thing that i can be spending money on and uh little jimmy i know that you actually went through and made some notes about this so i did what's your advice uh well my first advice would be before you spend any money gold or real money is to complete the forgotten hero storyline uh you you get some really good stuff through that actually i didn't realize what you were getting but there's there's a lot of like high rarity stuff that See, it's a lot of play these days. Like, you get an Earthbone Spinner, mm-hmm. you get you get a Ravenous Hunger, Divine Fervor, you get an Edict, you get a Sentinel Battle Mace, Thorn Hist Mage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Tia, who he's been starting to see a little bit more play in Crusader-based decks. Um, yeah, and sure. even if even if he's not necessarily the best option for a new player, he's definitely good to throw into them. Uh, there's also Vigilant Giant as something you get. Like, I didn't realize just how much good stuff there was in 
completing just that first story. Yeah, a lot of the staple epics that you're that you're looking yeah. for, I feel like in that you're gonna you're gonna see are gonna come back to a lot of decks you can pick up in that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. So if I had uh, if I had a couple of bucks one month and I was gonna spend a few dollars on the game, um, what's that what's that first thing that you would direct me towards to put a couple dollars into? Uh, putting money in. Personally, I'm not. I'm not a fan, I don't think, of spending money on the decks. Mm-hmm. I think you're better off spending on stories or like the promo sets, like Madhouse, Forgotten Hero, Frostbuck, or even just packs, in my opinion. I think you're better off putting your money into those things and then using gold for the decks. Yeah, I uh, think that the place that I'd suggest people to go with their money at first is go into the store and look at special offers. Yes, there's also, if you are... A newer player and there aren't things that you have yet uh on login sometimes you'll see a you'll see a pop-up and it'll be like you can get this and this and this and this for this reduced price and like some of those offers are actually quite good yeah there are some some good special offers there and i think that what is it each set comes out with some sort of like a starter set that gives you yes. a legendary 10 packs for five bucks yes all those starter packs are incredibly good value for money and if you are looking to put money into the game as a newer player that's probably where i'd start yeah i don't even spend money on the game right now because i just don't need to but every time that comes out it's like yeah you can have five bucks yeah sure because it's just too good that is it is it's it's insanely good value yeah so if i was going to make any suggestion it's like that's where i would begin with real money yeah because I think it's what it's normally ten for seven packs, I think. So you're getting um, yeah. so ten dollars for seven packs, but you're getting three more packs for five dollars less. <laughs> yes, three more packs and a legendary. And um, a legendary. Yeah, a guaranteed legendary and three more packs for half the price. Um, yeah. Yeah. So before you buy any packs with real money, make sure you're going by and you're buying all of those sort of starter ones. Um, for each of the sets that have come out, which I think you can do for what Skyrim, Morrowind, Alliance War, I think and Moon? It's all of the sets. I believe there's still one for Corset in the shop. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's been a while since I have bought that one. So there's one yeah. for Corset as well. Okay. Yeah, those are definitely good things. If you were going to throw a couple bucks a month at it to to begin there, is there anything yes. else? I mean, you talked about some of these. Um, like promotional sets, Frostbark, Madhouse, which of those three, which of the three promotional sets that have come out do you think is the strongest and the most important one to pick up? Um, that's hard to judge. Uh, until we know more about the matter, I think that's kind of hard to judge. Uh, I was actually discussing which was the most impactful on release with mm. Ian and it just in his chat the other day. And I think we all agreed that Forgotten Hero if you were to pick 12 cards to release and impact a meta, they'd be the 12. I mean, obviously you might swap some in and out, but for 12 cards being released as one, it was such an impactful set. It's got Ulfric's Uprising, it's got Tullius's Conscription, Cast Into Time, Cradle Crush Giant, Namira's mm-hmm. Shrine, Slime Marshblade, Doppelganger, and Bleak Coast Troll. So it's it's mostly support, but then obviously then you've also got the Bleak Coast Troll that sees play in mid-range and aggro, Cradle Crush, which is a staple in mid-BM and mid-Dagoth, mm-hmm. even like Rage Guildsworn, I think it sees quite a bit of play in. 
Yeah, that is, I mean, out of the three, I think that's the one that you can pick up and you can, I mean, it's so strong that they've nerfed multiple cards out of it. Yes, they have <laughs> um, Like, inscription yeah. was 11 on release. It's now 12. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Numeric Shrine, Shrine. It's obviously just seen a nerf. Carson's Time has just seen an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been multiple cards from that set that they've actually gone back and changed, which I'm not sure that's really the case with... Uh, I'm looking at Frostbark right now. There's definitely nothing from Frostbark that was that was nerfed. And I think that yeah. really the the hard part is with some of these sets is there are specific cards in them that you just have to have in order to play specific yes. decks. Yes, that is so, a small bit of an issue, I suppose. Yeah, if you... Like, you don't need anything from Frostbark for any specific deck. Like, you can sub anything in and out except for Sword of the Inferno. Yes, uh, it, sort of the Inferno has even fallen off a little bit because there's so many options for that same thing. Yeah, you're right. Now, especially the, now that the Defiler nerf has happened and most of your targets for those sort of play something onto it and deal some damage to something are lethal creatures. You don't really want to be using Sword a lot of the time because it will kill, it, kill itself. Yeah, you're right. There was a time when Sword was in Sword got nerfed too. I mean, to be fair, I guess that is the one card from Frostbark yeah. because it it was there was a point where if you used it with like Cicero, you would get the slay off of Cicero oh, yes. slaying himself. Yes. And the slay off the thing that he slayed. Um so I guess that is one card from Frostbark that they have definitely that was adjusted. A mechanic change that indirectly affected it, but yeah. Yes, yeah, but it it's still worse than what it was when it first came out. Yes. Um, but you're right. I think at, out of all of them, that uh, which one was the one again that you said it's not Madhouse, the not Forgotten Hero. The Forgotten Hero. That one has a lot of cards in it that you're definitely gonna see come back. Now you yeah. can buy Forgotten Hero with gold, correct? If you want to you save can. up your I gold. I believe it's fifteen hundred gold in the shop. Okay. Now, do you think it's smart for a new player to spend their money on the stories, or is it smart for them to save up and spend their gold on the stories? Um, I think ultimately it comes down to how much disposable income you have that you're willing to spend on the game. Sure. Uh, I don't think there's any particular issue in going either way. Personally, I think I bought them with money rather than gold. Uh, but... I can certainly see buying them with gold, I think. I think there's a lot of other things to spend gold on now. I think personally, I'd buy the stories with money because it's like, I feel like my thinking was, sure, I'm getting about 40 cards and I'm getting the story. It's like, sure, I'll spend, what, I think it's about 15 quid. I think it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm it's, not sure how much it is. It, it's like, it, I, think, I think they're 20, 20 or 25 American dollars, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, sure, I'll put some money there. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the promo sets, which, sure, a promo set is the same price as like one act of the story, I think. Unless sure. I'm mistaken. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, like one act you, of the story you're just getting is like the seven eight. cards. You're not getting the story as well. So I felt felt like they're more. I'll buy these with gold, and I'll spend my money there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to spend money somewhere, uh, I liked spending, I bought two of the stories, I paid gold for one of the stories. So I did Isles of Madness with gold, I bought with real money the other two stories. But I felt like, you know, sometimes if you spend money on packs and you bust open a bunch of packs and you didn't get anything that you were really hoping to get, it can feel really bad. And yeah. at least when you 
buy the story. You're not going to walk away feeling bad about it because you know no. exactly what cards you're going to get. You know what you're getting. There's no gamble. And honestly, you get – you know, if you spend 25 bucks on it, you get that – I feel like you get that value back in going through the story. Yes, like, Because you're getting new content. You're getting a new way to play. It's engaging. The stories are really engaging. Yeah, the stories game. are really good. They've written them well. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed all three. I can't say I necessarily remember them all that much. I haven't played them for a while now. I actually played I definitely through... remember Isles of Madness pretty well. Um, the yeah, other I remember maybe... Isles of Madness fairly well. And I played through, I think, Dark Brotherhood semi-recently uh, on Master Difficulty to... Oh, no. No, it must have been Clockwork I played through on Master to uh, unlock the um, Sails Through Night, I think. it is. it Swims at... It's either sails through storms or swims at night. I can't remember which one you get a premium version of for completing the really uh, master difficulty. But yes, it's an yeah. alt art premium. So it I would be that. it would be swims through night because that's the he's the guy who you got in uh, in the Dark Brotherhood, yes. right? Or swims at night, not swims through night, swims at night. Yes. He's the he's the one that adds a zero cost to your hand, and every time you play a zero cost, he gets plus one plus one. Yes. Yeah, uh, and I he's a dark mistake and said swims at night earlier when I was talking about um, unrelenting siege. Be at me, peace. I meant no, no, sails no, through you, storms in that page. Yeah, that you did. We we either did sails through night or swims through sails. Something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever it was, one, I understood what you meant. Or some combination thereof. <laughs> the, pilfer, the pilfer that summons the top creature from yes. your deck and puts it on the board. I knew I knew exactly which one yeah. you were talking about because if you don't get rid of that thing quickly enough, it is. Yeah super punishing um super punishing if that thing goes very off. much eats hard removal though or a guard even oh. just a guard <laughs> yeah yeah you got to stop that thing because if it hits your face you basically lost the game uh and it's horrible when it comes down with an archer's gambit or a quicksilver crossbow and get that little ping and pull that blood dragon out of there or something yeah. um yeah, so uh, you know, what about uh, what about some of these themed decks? Because you hear a lot of people talking about the themed decks. You hear people telling folks to buy them. In my opinion, that was really true at the release of Skyrim. But in my opinion, the theme decks have not gotten better since Skyrim. If anything, they've gotten a good bit worse. Potentially, yeah. Uh, I think Zimolfum's Ambition, which has just come out, is a very good theme deck. I think. Yes. That's probably worth picking up. Uh, I still think that your first 500 gold in the game should be spent on Arcanoid's Cunning. Um, it's still an incredibly strong deck. It mm-hmm. comes with a lot of great stuff that you're going to want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arcanoid's Cunning is very strong. It's going to give you the 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 frame and the, the base of what you're going to need to skeleton and what you're going to need to build a lot yes. of blue decks off of. Yes. So it's giving you Arcano, which, as I was saying earlier, staple in pretty much any blue deck. Yes. Uh, it gives you a Cloudrest Illusionist, an Ice Storm, and a Praetorian Commander, which died off after getting nerfed, which it, it deserved the nerf, but it's mm-hmm. kind of been coming back in recently with uh, Conscription Empire decks. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times in different Conscription decks, and I saw it in a Conscription Rhetorin deck. Yeah, it's um, coming in a bit there as well. Yeah, because it is, and honestly, just like decks who are control-oriented, but just run a ton of prophecies. Yeah. Um, so it came, I, I played against it in a Prophecy Tribunal deck, um, okay. and it was strong in there because there is something to be said about pulling out a 4-4, four, four, a 5-5 a five, five, uh, with with uh, with Drain off of a Prophecy, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> that is pretty strong, and it really screws yeah. up your game plan if you're playing in the aggro does. deck. Yeah, really screws up your game plan. Yeah, you're right. I think that if you go back to the Skyrim decks, 
There's some good ones that spent 500 gold. Zumog's Cunning, is that what it is? Air Ambition. Uh, Zumog Foom's Ambition, I believe, yeah. is the full name of the deck. Yeah, that is... Um, between the two that came out in this recent set, that's definitely the one that's better. Yes, definitely. And then if you're, like, super committed, like, you really... Although... Saying that, I will point out that you do get a Divine Fervor in Chimera's Rebellion, and Divine Fervor is an incredibly strong card that still sees a lot of play. It is. It is really good. I think I would rather... I still think I would rather spend but, a 500 yeah. gold on five packs and craft it than... Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Then Maybe not. If you're building your collection, you get a lot of... You, you get a lot get of filter cards. It's got some good rares and commons in, I think. Yeah. I had and a quick would, look at it. Yeah, I mean, you get a Master of Thieves in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Master of Thieves is a very good card if you want to play Monk at, at any point. And it would be fun. It would be a really fun deck to play. There's, yes, definitely. There's no doubt about that. And then I would say if you want to spend a thousand gold on one of the theme decks from one of the Tri-Kellers, um, I wouldn't go hog wild on that and no. buy a bunch of them. If you had like would... one that you were really set on, a Tri-Keller that you really wanted to play, or a Legendary you really wanted to try out, it's it's not the best bang for your buck. No, I would suggest only really going out and buying one of those if you're desperate to play that tricolor and you don't have the cards, uh, the three color cards to play it for. Yeah, and even at that, the ones that are really have the the tricolor legendary that are even close to worth it are going to be your Telvani, potentially your Tribunal. Um, yeah, and then maybe Pact Assault, your um, your Emmenhart. Yeah, yeah um, potentially Daggerfall Covenant as well. I think Emmerich's Emmerich's a fairly strong card it, in a it, lot of different not, decks. Yeah, I think it's not seeing a ton of play right now. No, but uh, in a lot of decks, he ends up being the best choice out of the three tricolors. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I think that, I think you're seeing a fall off of Daggerfall Covenant right now, specifically because of the rise of BM. And yes. you're thinking like, okay, I could play Daggerfall Covenant, but I could just get rid of the purple in this and play a better deck. Yes. So just going to get Definitely. rid of the purple. Um, <laughs> which is saying a lot because for a long time, the only way to play a good deck was to have purple in it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's definitely saying a lot for that sort of deck because that's giving you access to Sorcerer's Negation. It's giving you, um, what's he called? The 5 5 guard, which, last gasp, deal 5 damage to your opponent. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's the Daedra, a Reaper of Sorrows or something like that. Um, something like that, yes. I'm saying that you're like, you're like, no, I guarantee you that's not the name of it. I said. It's it's not I, quite the name, but it's something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, okay, go ahead. I'll look it up. But yeah, it's giving you access to that, which is a really good card. And yeah. Um, I've tested it a bit, and I think you're better off just playing PM. Yeah. Sorrow or uh, Sower of Revenge. Sower of Revenge. That's Sower the of Revenge. That's the five mana, five, five guard, last gasp, deal five damage to your opponent, which yes. is... That is a really strong card. Yes, uh, it is. It is uh, strong. Yeah, it pushed it pushed warrior as an archetype. It pushed aggro mid warrior yeah. from pretty much nowhere, really. So I think that's some that's some good advice. Do you have any other advice for people who are looking to spend money or gold on the game that you wanted to make sure that you highlighted? Um, I will say it's probably not worth buying the puzzles. They're a lot of fun, and okay. I definitely enjoyed playing them, but I I wouldn't go out of my way to buy them. That's one of the things I've never spent any gold or money on. I've not had any of the puzzles. The card backs are really cool. The card backs are definitely cool. But you only get a couple packs of Morrowind, right? That's it. Yes, I think you get five in each, and okay. then some soul gems. 
Okay, so it's really it's it, yeah, it's not. If you have the extra money and you have a huge collection, sure. Yeah. It could be fun. But if not, if you're building a collection, that's probably not the way to go. No, definitely not. Probably not the way to go. Okay, out of all the sets, if I was, you know, let's say I'm I'm building my collection up right now and I have a, you know, 100 gold every couple of days, what pack should I be buying? Is there a, a set? Should I be buying the core? Because we think those might stick around with a rotation. Should I be buying the most updated packs? Um, is it worth going the whole way back to Skyrim and buying stuff? Um, I don't think it's probably worth buying either Skyrim or Morrowind at the moment. Um, okay. I just, I mean, I'm slightly biased because I have pretty much everything I need from those sets. So maybe if I didn't, I'd look at it differently. Uh, but I think I think you can do pretty well with. Honestly, I probably wouldn't be buying packs if I'm trying to build up my collection. I'd be saving mm-hmm. that hundred or so gold I'm getting every day or two, and I'd do an arena run every third day or something. Okay, so yeah, tell us a little bit about that. So you have some encouragement for people to play arena, and you know that is it. Would you is it solo arena versus arena? What's the difference between the two, and what would you encourage people to get into? So if you are a new player, solo arena is probably the better place to start. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you will definitely get cheated by the AI and some of the effects that um it, it plays on itself. Uh, and some of the lane effects that you get in a solo arena, some of the like the Sometimes ways that you get the game will, yeah, it. you definitely get cheesed a little bit by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, you're guaranteed some core packs, some gold, some gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're if you are newer and you're not yet at number one solo arena or whatever they call it, you get some gold upon uh, a nine win run. Doesn't matter how many losses you get, as long as it's not three, obviously, because that will end your run. Uh, but it doesn't matter how many get you get, you'll level up. It'll give you some gold for leveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a copy of Adoring Fan for the first time. You get that nine wins. <laughs> well, when I first started playing the game, I got that right away, and I thought, I am so lucky right now. I just got a legendary <laughs> card. I literally thought it was good. I was so wrong. It was not. Yeah, no. it's it's not the best. <laughs> no, no, you don't you even see even anybody disenchant it. Unfortunately, it's bad so enough that you don't even see anybody yeah. memeing with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get some stuff. And I will say this. If you can, if you're willing to learn and know that like up front, you're not, they do a pretty good job of giving you a lot of value. Um, yes, if you go play versus arena. So let's just say, for example, worst case scenario, you don't know what you're doing. You make a versus arena deck and you go zero and three. You don't win a single game. You're still always walking out with a pack of cards and 20 gold. Yes. So you're you're losing in that by 30 you're gold. Losing, yeah, you're losing 30 gold effectively. But, um, but I think if you go two wins or one win, I think it's just one win, you get 25 gold, a card, and a pack. Um, or it could be soul gems yeah. instead of a card. Um, I will I, say I'm incredibly hypocritical, and I always advise people to play Arena while having tons of Arena tickets on my own account. But... <laughs> Yeah, I actually yeah. really like Arena in this game. I hated it in Hearthstone, um, but I actually really enjoy Arena in this. And I every time I get an Arena ticket, I do go play it. Now, sometimes I'll go two losses, you know, and only one win. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah I'm just going to retire this and give it up. Um, <laughs> That's fair. 
but you get those free arena tickets for daily logins. You do. Yeah. They're pretty great. That's the other thing for a new player. Just log in every day. And even if you don't want to play every day, spend a little bit of time every other day or every three days to complete your quests, build some decks around completing quests, complete those quests and use those arena tickets on versus arena because you're not spending anything. And it is a really great, you know, sometimes you get that ticket and you're like, oh, man, I really wanted a card or a pack or some gold or something. Um, But keep in mind that arena ticket, even if you randomly choose cards from the arena deck then immediately don't play any games immediately retire it you're still getting 20 gold in a pack of cards so that's still i mean that's worth i mean i don't know i've seen some streamers with like a hundred arena tickets (laughs) just sitting on their account and i'm like uh just go like when a new set comes out you could just cash in 50 of those i I actually did that when winds of elsewhere came out (laughs) just just like just surrendered immediately random and then retire yeah yeah so you know that is it's well worth your time you get a little bit of experience in what cards are good in what situations if you run those arenas and if you can begin like i probably average five to seven wins when i run an arena now yeah um that is huge value um you know when you go what set when you go seven wins i i oftentimes get you know three or four packs plus 175 gold and some soul gems yeah if Um, you can get the seven wins you get huge amounts of stuff yeah you're you're looking at four or five hundred gold worth of rewards for getting the seven wins for only putting up 150 and i know it's a bit of a gamble but i really feel like in this game at least there's enough inexperienced people playing in the (laughs) arena that it's not that unrealistic to think you're going to get that five to seven wins Um, no i wouldn't it's it's certainly not the hardest thing in the world to break even and go three and three. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can, and, and I think breaking even three and three, you're, you're gaining in that situation. You're yeah. gaining more than 150 gold worth of value. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But I mean, you are almost gaining more than that without getting a single win. I think you, yeah. I think you might break even you either, either break even. Like if you get the soul gems for the one win along with the gold in the pack, um, I think that like the, the amount of soul gems that you get, averages out to like almost a pack of cards so you're almost getting like 220 yeah. like an average pack with one rare in it right in four commons you're actually yeah. getting the equivalent of about 225 gold worth if you get the soul gems on the one win um so it's definitely worth it to save that 150 and go try your hand at the arena and if you can get That's a seven win run it's going to make up for a dozen zero win runs oh yes uh, so plus some so it's yeah that's a great place to be spending your gold and building your collection and you learn so much about the game in arena you really do it's a great way to learn the mechanics to train your own mechanics because it's definitely a very skill-based game um it is for a collectible card game uh, there's obviously the ha 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 you're drawing random cards out of a 50 card deck and you're (laughs) if you're playing aggro you're only drawing 10 cards a game or something um but it's still a very skill-based game. Sure. I mean, people can say that, but, you know, I'm a I'm a tabletop gamer before I'm a video gamer, actually. Yeah. And Magic the Gathering, of course, is a physical tabletop game, card yeah. game. And it was just named the most complex game in the history of 
all tabletop yeah, games. I saw that. <laughs> so I, like I, I know that the you people make fun. It's a kid's game or whatever have you. It's just a card game. It's not that complex. Well, I beg to differ. Card games are extremely complex. Yeah. Yeah. And this game, this game in particular offers a lot of very interesting decisions based off strictly off of ordering, because it's not just the order that you play cards, but it's like, is it better for me to play these two cards, then attack, then play this other card? Should I play all three? Should I wait? All of those things because of the prophecy and the rune system really makes your decision making um, a lot more interesting whenever you're, you know, deciding how you're going to attack. Yeah. Well, um, geez, that was we, we've been at this thing for about an hour now. We have indeed. Yeah, and are you streaming tonight still? Uh, I probably will be. Yes. Yeah. So you go. We we gotta we gotta get rolling here. I will quickly say um, before we do try and finish up yeah. is that because we did touch on the stories, but I don't think we mentioned which we think are worth buying first. Oh sure, that's a great that's a great point. Yeah. And I think that's probably something we should touch on. So. Yeah. My opinion is that Dark Brotherhood is still the best set, and until we hear any news about potential rotations, I think it's probably still my go-to first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, if it's we hear really that strong. it's going to be rotated, I think that moves over to Isle of Madness. I think Isle of Madness has a higher density of playable cards than Clockwork City does. Yeah, the hard part about Clockwork City is Barrow Stalker. Um, Barrow Stalker and Glenn Larneth. Uh, Phalanx Exemplar, Hallowed Death Priest. I think they were the only really top tier cards I could see out of the list that see a lot of play. It's and so Hallowed hard. Death Priest has kind of fallen off. Hallowed Death Priest has. Uh, it, it's so hard because Barl, you know, I, when I came back to the game originally, um, it was Clockwork had been out, but I didn't have the gold saved up to buy it. I didn't have the money to purchase it at the time. Yeah. And I will I will say this. It was an enormous pain in the rear end to not have Burrow Stalker, um, I can imagine. especially because purple was such a strong color and is such a strong color. And that is just a staple in almost every single purple deck. Uh, aggro, aggro control doesn't really matter. They run that card. I, that is my one hesitation to say that if to say that to go to one of the other, there's definitely more playable cards. In the other two stories, I think Dark Brotherhood definitely has the most playable cards. Yes. And honestly, it's the coolest story, in my opinion, because it's about yeah. assassins. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with a, you there. It's about assassins. The cards are the coolest. If you played Skyrim, it's the most iconic characters that you're going to get into. Um, I think that's where Brenyolf comes from, correct? No, no. He comes from actual Sky. He comes from a Skyrim set. He, he comes from come. Skyrim. I believe he's in the Dark Brotherhood set, though. He might be. He may be. Um, but that's definitely where you get Astrid and stuff. If there's anybody who played Skyrim and you played that Dark storyline, um, which was like my go-to thing. Like when I played Skyrim, the first character that I made on the Xbox 360 was a Red Guard assassin who sort of <laughs> who just walked around in a loincloth and shot a yeah. bow and arrow. And like that was just because he was like super ripped and really cool. And that was like so much fun. And I did the Dark Brotherhood storyline was one of the first things that I stumbled on. And so that was something like I didn't even hesitate to buy because I just wanted yeah. to play through the Dark Brotherhood because yeah. it is such a cool storyline. It is. Um, but keep in mind that if you aren't going to go with the Clockwork City, Burrow Stalker is going to be a thorn in your side every it time is. you to put purple in your deck. I will say quickly, Brynjolf must be Heroes of Skyrim because he had a deck based, based around him. <laughs> yeah, you're right. 
<laughs> he was he was Heroes of Skyrim. So, yeah. And there's actually not a ton of Heroes of Skyrim. I was looking through the legendaries from that set. There are not a ton that have stood the test of time um, if you're not playing dragons. Um, uh, no, possibly not. So Odin, bring you off Marak, Arcano. Yes, Arcano. And then if you're playing dragons, you, of course, have Parthenax and Odaving. And Odaving's classic. He's classic set, yeah. right? He came out in the classic set. Arduin so, in that set, but... uh. Yeah, I mean, Adwin doesn't see a huge amount of play. No, he really he's doesn't. Playing dragon decks, but there's not a yeah. single red card from that set that that stayed the test of time. Um, Arcana is the only thing from blue, unless you're playing support. And then College of Winterhold did. Um, yellow, there's nothing that stood the test of time unless you're playing Undying Dragon. No, Lydia has seen Mirak play. Is Mirak is not in Skyrim? Is he not Skyrim? I thought he was Skyrim. My bad. He's not Skyrim actually. He must be uh he must be core. Um because I was just looking at at it. Yeah, I, I thought that he was Sky it would make sense for him to yeah, be I in thought Skyrim. He was Skyrim. Um no, he's core. So oh, yeah, okay. Mirak Mirak was a core card. Um in agility, um Brynjolf, Um if you're playing a combo deck, Thieves Guild Fence, but Brynjolf. Um, and nothing in purple. I mean, Skeletal Dragon is the only thing I even have crafted in that, <laughs> and only because I love it, not because it's any good. Yeah. Um, and I guess Journey, to Journey, Parthenex, and Alduin were the other three that if you're playing you know, specific combo decks or dragon decks you want, but if you're not interested in dragon decks and combo decks, you're really looking at Arcano and... Yeah. Is that it? Is it like Arcano and maybe Brynjolf? He's not even necessary, but... Uh, he's not necessary, but I think he's certainly certainly yeah. strong. Yeah. I think you play him if if you want to be more defensive in the green base control deck. I just think if you're a new player and you're coming to the game and you're trying to decide what to spend your gold on in terms of packs to buy from a set, spend the 500 gold on Arcano's Cunning and then buy packs with gold from other sets. Yeah. You know, that, that, that may be... That. That the that maybe talk I didn't look at the epics and back then epics were really really strong so I may yeah. be talking poorly there because there may be some epics in the set that were um that were really really strong that you would actually want to get your hands on too um but uh, oh I take back what I said about perhaps not buying um Morrowind sets there's there's a lot of legendaries in Morrowinds that see a lot of play yeah yeah <laughs> Morrowind was a pretty significant set. Yeah. It raised the power level of the game. It, it definitely did. It. Yeah. Especially with tricolors. Yeah, it completely completely transformed it for sure. Yeah, tricolors, and they really gave a lot of power to tricolors to make it work. They did. And it did work. Arguably a little bit too much. Uh, I think probably <laughs> too much. Okay, well, hey, let's wrap things up here. Um, a little Jamie, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Just as somebody who's new to the community, you know, I've been a, a creeper in streams for a long time, um, but I've really enjoyed your stream. I really enjoy the content that you're putting out there. So thanks so much for making that jump from Overwatch over to Tesla <laughs> and, uh, and for creating content out here for people to come and to learn from. Um, but if someone wanted to get connected with you, how would they get connected with you? Uh, well, thank you for saying that, first of all, and thank you for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, the best place to find me is twitch.tv forward slash a little Jamie. I go live most days um, at 9 p.m. BST or which I believe is 5, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, yes four. you're five hours ahead yes, of where I am. I'm five hours ahead. So, yes. So 4 okay. p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
beyond that, my Twitter, uh, again, a little Jamie at a little Jamie, twitter.com forward slash a little Jamie, presumably. Uh, that's where I'll post updates for stream if I'm going live, if I'm not going live, just occasionally just general updates about my life. Okay. <laughs> I don't really use it too much, though, sure. I will say. So for me, uh, I'm off of the social media grid, and so you can't find me anywhere, um, but that's okay. You can email me. Uh, I know, like I'm dating myself, right? I <laughs> like, definitely seem like a dad when I'm hey, like, just send me. you're not giving a P.O. box. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, you're right, I could. Um, <laughs> so uh, you can uh, you can email us at eslegendscast at gmail.com. That's eslegendscast at gmail.com. Um, if you really want to get old of me another way, I am on Reddit. Um, I'm the 113th lift on Reddit. I am the 113 lift on, on Elder Scrolls Legends. You can always send me a friend request. I only have like six friends on the game. So if you want a friend request me on Tessel, I've had several people who've done that. Um, we can play some matches. I like observing people too and just watching what they're playing. Um, and so I do a lot of that. I'll, I'll pull up the iPad at work and throw up and just sort of have someone else's match going on um, while I'm working because I have a, a pretty flexible work life. And so I can do that. So yeah, definitely shoot me a, a friend request on there. Once again, that's the 113 lift. I'm that on Reddit, um, eslegendscast at gmail.com. Uh, I have some exciting news coming up, I think. And so I don't know that I can really say anything yet because I don't know what is in the works and what isn't in the works. I will say this. I believe that later this week I am recording with a certain Bethesda um, community developer um, whose name I will not say. <laughs> if we can work it out before he has to leave um, and go to QuakeCon, we're going to do some QuakeCon predictions and talk about his thoughts on the tournament, which I'm really, really that excited about. Like a lot of fun. Um, and if not, when he gets back from QuakeCon, um, we're going to have a, a post-QuakeCon show and talk about anything that they released information-wise about Tesla during QuakeCon. So that's really exciting. Um, so this this episode's going out um, this upcoming Friday. So you may see an episode drop a little bit earlier because if I get a, a chance to record with this said Bethesda employee, um, then I'm actually going to release it a couple hours before QuakeCon comes out so you can hear what his thoughts are on the tournament before the tournament starts, um, which would be super exciting. And I would be really, really honored um, as somebody who's just getting into this as a hobby and is not trying to make any sort of a profession out of it. Um, I, I was so flattered that they even messaged me back. So that's exciting. So hopefully we have some upcoming news and things. Uh, the other thing is that I wanted to add at the end of this podcast, which may seem like really, really odd, but I've been really clear in earlier shows that in you know my day job, what I do for a living is I'm a pastor. Um, and so I've been a pastor for the last uh, decade. Um, and so uh, I really want to just come and support our community. Um, I know the online community uh, can be a really dark, ugly place, um, and it can also be incredibly, incredibly isolating. Um, and so if you just ever need a listening ear um, or if you need someone to pray for you or just to be there for you, um, email me or reach out to me in, in any of the ways that I talked about, because I would just love to support our community through praying for people uh, and just being a listening ear for people, because I do know that um, online communities can be really dark. And although we have a lot of friends online, which is really great and we can have great relationships with them, um, it doesn't make up for not having the people there physically and sometimes it can get really scary and depressing without it so i'm here to support you if you're listening in um, and i'd love to to hear your story and to talk with you and, and to pray for you if you would let me so uh, you can always reach out to me for for that as well which doesn't really have anything to do with tesla um, just my heart for people and my heart for the community so um that's gonna wrap it up do you have anything to add a little jamie before we go 
Um, I don't think so. I think that's a wonderful message. And yeah, uh, likewise, if you do just need someone to come and talk to one evening, feel free to jump into my stream. Just say, hey, how's it going? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. It's unbelievable how, how supportive this Tesla community really is, is for people. And I know people get pessimistic and they get salty over things. And there's always going to be people who do that. And I get that. I completely understand that. Um, but out of the toxic communities that I've been a part of, this is one of the best. Uh, I completely so, agree with that statement. <laughs> definitely, definitely one of the best. Okay, hey, well, that's going to do it for us here at Legends Cast for episode six. I hope that you enjoy the podcast. I hope you'll come back next week and maybe even a little bit earlier um, to, to listen in. Um, I do have, uh, I think, Elameo, um, who's talking about coming on, and Bradford Lee, who's going to be coming on the podcast in future weeks, which I'm super excited to be yeah. able to interview them and get some of their perspectives on the game too it, it is it's really exciting so um thanks so much for listening in thanks for joining us make sure you check out a little jamie check out his stream give him some love i know he won't tell you to subscribe to him but i will tell you to subscribe <laughs> to him so go give him that encouragement throw that five bucks his three throw that you just got done shopping on prime day so throw that amazon prime uh subscription his way so that you can go out and support him are you still in university right now i am still you, at university although i will oh, say to, to to kind of pull away from that all i'll ask is that you just hit the follow button it, it means a huge amount just knowing that there's people there who are going to want to come and watch the stream again yeah and that's what he asked but i i can ask for more because <laughs> i'm not you okay so so i can ask for more so definitely go follow him check out his stuff and plug in with a little jamie because he's a great guy to listen to a great guy to learn from and uh, and make sure you just become part of his community you even got a good discard discord server that i've been able to to be a part of so that's great Okay, well, hey, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening in with us, and we'll catch you guys all next week. Thanks for listening to Legend Casts, a podcast about Elder Scrolls Legends. If you're looking for more ways to get connected with us and our community, email us at eslegendcasts at gmail.com, and be sure to come back for our next episode.